Good evening and welcome to Journeys in Faith here on the Anna Santos YouTube channel and on social media. I am so blessed to have a friend of mine here on the show. He's a recurring guest that's been on before. I have William Hemsworth. He is a Catholic author, speaker, and evangelist. Bill, thank you so much for joining us on Journeys in Faith. And thank you so much for having me again. It's great being on again. How you been? I've been doing so well. And here we are in the fall of 2023. He's been a guest not only on Journeys in Faith, my show, but also on the Sewing Hope podcast with my podcast co-host, Bill Snyder. A warm hello to Bill and also our friends at Fiat Ministry Network, too. And I would like to just start out, if I could, by reading on your website, you have a little bio. Now, it's an autobiography that, you know, about you. So I'm reading it in the first person. And right. you are, you say, my name is William Hemsworth and welcome to my little spot on the internet. And this is at williamhemsworth.com, by the way. I'm a husband and father of four, author, radio host, speaker, and theologian. My goal with this page is to provide you with free resources to help you develop and defend your faith. There will be times we dis disagree and that's okay. I just ask that it is done with a respectful manner so that we can have pr a productive dialogue. There are around 1,200 different articles here that range from devotionals all the way to deep theological reflections. If you would like to book me as a guest on your radio or podcast, I would like to speak or speak at your event, please email me and his email address, which I'll repeat at the end of the show, is william.hemsworth at gmail.com. And he said, if you feel to, led to contribute to the cause, to visit your Patreon page. And that is patreon.com slash William Hemsworth. So just wanted to read that so that people can get kind of a flavor of who you are. And I know that you were a convert to the faith. Right. And I would love for our audience to hear a little bit on the first half about your life, faith, and mission. So thank you. Okay. Well, like you said, I'm a convert to the faith. I actually grew up in the Wesleyan church. And for those that don't know what the Wesleyan church is, it started in the 1800s as kind of an offshoot from Methodism. And my mom started taking my sister and I to church when we were 12 years old. So I didn't necessarily grow up in church or anything. But my mom said um, pretty much when I was 12 that, you know, we need to start doing this. And so there was a church down the street. We started going. Still great friends with a lot of people there. My childhood pastor recently retired. And, you know, it, it, was, it was a great time. It, you know, the church taught me to who, who Jesus was. It taught me about you know, grace, uh, mercy, tell me about scripture. And it instilled all those things in me, all those things that I still carry with me today in the Catholic faith. Um, but I joined the army and I was really exposed to Catholicism for the first time. I was a chaplain assistant in the army. And uh, the first Sunday I was working at Hunter Army Airfield, I had to work, you had to work at all the services. So the first one was Episcopalian. And then the second one was the mass and then the second the third one was just a general protestant service but i stayed there during the mass and i heard you know a lot of scripture being read so keep in mind for those that don't normally go to a lot of protestant services sometimes you may hear two or three verses sometimes you may hear a little more but it's always from one section of the bible so here at this mass there was a section from isaiah and of course there was the psalm there was a reading from romans and there was a reading from the gospel of mark and then the priest came up and gave this like 45 minute homily in the gospel of Mark. And I remember that vividly because not only was it a great homily, but the Protestant chaplain was like, you guys are, they're running long. They need to stop. 
like I can't tell them to stop. They haven't got to the liturgy of the Eucharist yet. Like it is what it is. No, we can't, we can't stop. So the Protestants were a little upset that the mass ran about 45 minutes late, <laughs> but that was really my first exposure. Um, but you know, that was one of my pre, that was, that was one of the things I was kind of taught early on was that, you know, Catholics don't read the Bible, et cetera. And that was kind of smashed right there. But I was young. I was dumb. As they say, I was 19 years old at the time. I had other interests as a lot of 19 year olds do, even though I still went to church and everything. But as I started taking my faith seriously, I really wanted to find out. Um, I, I started getting really into history. I was like, okay, let, what is the church that Jesus established? Um, you know, and I heard, I heard the claim quite a bit that the Catholics always said that the church fathers were Catholic. I was like, no, I don't believe that. And I was in seminary at the time. I was at Liberty University. I was uh, studying for a Master of Divinity. And I decided to do a Master of Divinity in church history. And one of the reasons was not only did I love history, but I wanted to prove that the church fathers really weren't Catholic. And so we started reading some of the early church fathers. So one of the one one of the early ones we read was Justin Martyr. He's one of my favorites. If you haven't read any of his stuff, I recommend to the audience that they go and check it out. But in his first apology, he gives this outline of the mass about how the uh, the prophets were read, the memoirs of the apostles were read, and then the presider gives his reflection, and then the gifts of bread and wine are brought to the altar. He prays over them, and we believe that they are the same body and blood that was crucified for our sins. Like. It was very Catholic stuff. And I was like, whoa, where is this church at? I was like, where, where is this church? Um, now, at the time, I had been going to Mass with my wife. My wife was born and raised in the Catholic church. And while I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, I'm thinking, where is this Where is this church at? And so I just kept reading. Even though it was right, even though it was in front of me this whole time, you know, since I'm going to Mass with my wife and everything. Then, you know, we, we started reading um, St. Irenaeus, his work against heresies. And he talks about the rule of faith, how, and he's writing in some Gnostics, and the Gnostics were saying they had the truth. But St. Irenaeus was like, no, not so fast. If you have the, if you say you're the true church, you'd be able to trace the lineage of your bishops back to the apostles. You can't do that, but we can. And then he goes on to say that every church has to be under the authority of the most glorious church, which is located in Rome. I was like, wait, hold on. That sounds pretty Catholic because it is. And the Holy Spirit really started working, working on me about that. I, I call it a, the Holy Spirit was hitting me upside the head with a frying pan moment. Like all this, is, all this stuff is historical. Why are you being so stubborn? And it, it was just amazing how all this stuff came together. And at this point in my journey, I'm like, okay, Catholicism makes a lot of sense, but I don't want to be Catholic. And so I started, so I turned to Mary because I'm like, you know what? The, the teachings about Mary, they have no, no historical basis. And I was resting on the assumption of our blessed mother. I'm like, this is nowhere in scripture. This is not historical. And, and I, jo I joke not about two days later on, on my Facebook feed. There's a video that pops up from Dr. Scott Hahn talking about the assumption, talking about the biblical basis for it, the historical basis for it. And he gave a real simple argument. 
it almost seemed too simple, but it seemed so logical at the same time. He's like, look at all these great churches we have around, like the Church of St. Peter, the Church of St. Paul. They have, uh, those saints are buried there. Now, if there was a, ch no church claims to have the body of Mary, because if they did, it'd be the biggest church in the world. But it's true. There's no church that claims to have the body of Mary. There's, her body is not anywhere. And Christians revered her from the beginning because of her fiat, okay, um, from God to bear this, the Savior of the world. And I was like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. And from that point on, like, I, I, I remember texting my wife, and I just sent her a quick text. I was waiting for work to open. I was like, I'm all in. And she responded back. She's like, you're all in with what? That doesn't make any sense. What are you all in with? And I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm all in the Catholicism. I think all my answers have, all my questions have been answered. It makes total sense. Um, I'm sorry for the pain I put you through. Cause of course, you know, during this time I'm trying to take her out. Right. And she's like, that's awesome. I knew you'd have to come to this conclusion on your own. And I think this is very important for some people to realize. She said, if I would have pushed you, I know you would have pushed back a lot harder, but I knew you had to find the answer on your own. And eventually you did. And she decided, I've been praying for you this whole time. Because all this took place over a couple of years. I mean, obviously, we're, I'm giving the Reader's Digest version here. But all this took place over a couple of years. And it really it was not an easy time for her. But she she stuck with me. Um, she was faithful. She, she did not give up. And eventually, I came around. And it was a, a lot of prayer um, on her part and my mother-in-law's part. There was a lot of research on my part because I really did want to know what the truth was. What I wanted to know, not only what the truth was, what is the church that Jesus established? Because Jesus did say in the Gospel of Matthew that he did start a church. And but like, what is that church? I wanted to find. And as I dug deeper into history, I started following those steps until I came to the truth of the Catholic faith. So that's kind of the Reader's Digest version, Anne. Yeah. And I think that's the first time I've heard the, in quotes, you know, air quotes, the, the Reader's Digest version, <laughs> version, but it really does paint that big picture of how God worked in your heart. And as your wife said, if, if she would have tried to push you along, it may not have happened as it did. Right. And so how beautiful is that, that, that it, it led you into where, what you're doing right now, which of course, when we come back after our commercial break, we're going to learn even more because you're also a teacher too. You know, you're an author an evangelist, but a teacher, and that's really a big part of what you do all year round. And I know you love what you do. Absolutely. Love so <laughs> there's so much more for us to talk about. So we're going to just take a short break. We'll be back here in just a minute or two on Journeys in Faith.
thank you for joining us again, Bill, on this show and for everyone who is watching. And on the first half of the show, you were talking about obviously your life and how you became Catholic and how you really not only became Catholic, but really made it a top priority in your life. It wasn't something that right. you did just in a mechanical way. You did it because you really wanted to make your faith the most important thing and most important part of your life. Absolutely. And so now you're also a teacher and I know you've been doing that for, I think at least a couple of years now, right? Has it been yeah. three years already? This is my third school year. Time has really flown by and you know, it's, it's how I got into teaching is kind of, I don't know, kind of, it's really kind of funny, like in a curious way. So in 2019, I was still active in banking and I decided, you know what? There's all these cutbacks in the banking industry, even though we're making record profits. So I'm like, I'm going to get my substitute teaching certificate just in case. Like that way there's, if I lose my job or whatever, something was telling me something was going to happen. And of course, a few months later, COVID happened. But I got my substitute teaching certificate and I just kind of sat on it. Um, well, September 2020, you know, COVID's at its height. Kids are doing virtual learning. But my mother-in-law, God bless her, she's 81 years old now. Technology is not her strong suit. I knew she wasn't going to be able to help my kids with the virtual learning. So my wife and I made the conscious decision that I was going to leave banking, help them with their virtual learning, and then um, do stuff with the ministry, you know, while in between all that. Well, that lasted, a, that did last a couple months, but um, I decided, you know what? The kids are back at school. They were able to go back in the fourth quarter. I'm like, I need to get out of the house. <laughs> a couple months after September of 2020, I took a three-day sub job and I absolutely fell in love with it. It was, a, it was the most exhausting <laughs> job I've ever had. I remember coming home and immediately taking a nap, but it was so much fun just getting to know these kids and um, I did a good job. I did a couple more sub jobs at a different school, but then the school called me and said, you want to come on full time? The business teacher is leaving. And I have a, my bachelor's degree is in business. So it worked out very well. Um, so I started teaching business that year and it was that first post COVID year. It was a very rough year. Kids weren't used to the, the regular school days or anything, but this is my third school year and I'm teaching sixth, seventh and eighth grade business. I have a couple clubs. I run the future, the future business leaders of America chapter. Um, one of the things I'm proud of though, and is I'm also have a club called SWAT. It's students with a testimony. It's like a Bible study club. And we meet Thursdays before school. Um, a teacher had it last year. She retired. She asked if I would take it because she knew about my faith and everything. I was like, absolutely. This is important. So we have about 22 kids coming on a Thursday morning before school just to hear the word of God. And I think it's a mix of Catholics, Protestants, um, they bring their friends as well. It's just a great thing to have that presence on campus. And the, the kids know my faith. When I tell them one of the things I do outside of work is that I write articles, I write books, I do podcasts, YouTube, and TikTok stuff. They're like, oh, what's your YouTube channel? And I never tell them what it is because I'm not there to market my YouTube channel. But they find it. They're middle schoolers. They're like, Mr. Hemsworth, we found your YouTube channel. We found your TikTok. And I watched some of your videos. They're very interesting. Um, and maybe they'll, they'll ask questions, you know, coming before school, maybe ask questions about what I believe in everything. And I think that's a very crucial thing, having that ministry of presence. And that's a term I learned while I was active, was a chaplain assistant in the military, having that ministry of presence. 
just being there, letting people know you're there, um, letting them and being present with them, building that trust. And it's really what I love about teaching. Not only do I get to teach them things about finance, investing, you know, insurance and needs and wants, budgeting, things like that, but I'm teaching them some things about life and they're coming to me with questions. Um, and it's, it's, I really feel, Ann, that this is where God really wants me to be. I wake, I wake up every day excited to go to work. And sometimes I'll think about a kid and I take that as God planting that seed to maybe pray for that child. And so I do that. And I pray for my students every day in my class and before they come in. Um, I mean, it's, it's just a great thing. It's a great job. It's exhausting. It's tiring. It's stressful. But I wouldn't have it anyway. I really believe that this is where God wants me to be. Yes, I, I know so too, only because I've known you for now a few years just through doing these different podcasts and your work. And you've even hosted me on your podcast. So I thank you. And I know that this teaching job has meant so much to you. You even had a special award. Tell us about that. That was special, wasn't it? Was at the end of last school year, I believe. Well, the end of last school year, I didn't get the award, but I was nominated for Teacher mm -hmm. of the Year. That's right. And that that meant a lot because it it's something that is you're you're recommended for by the students. It's not by the faculty or anything, but it's by the students. And it just it, it was that I don't know. I'm always pessimistic about myself. Maybe like I could do this better. I could do that better. And I remember my mentor teacher last year just saying, you know what? those of us who are hardest on ourselves, when you want to be a good teacher, it means you're all, when you're stressing out about being a good teacher, it means you already are one. And just getting nominated for that was that validation that, okay, I'm doing something right for these guys, for these students. And that's all I want to do. Yes. And it's, it's amazing to see. And um, I love how you combined all the work that you do with the teaching. And as you said, you're, you're able to, in a gentle way, evangelize, right. In a gentle Absolutely. way in everything that you do. Tell us about your writing too. I love people to learn more and also to go on Amazon and purchase your, your writings and go to your website at williamhemsworth.com. Tell us a lot more about that. Well, thank you. Williamhemsworth.com has a lot of different articles. Um, a few months ago, I actually was brought on as a director for Catholicism Rocks. They asked me to write some stuff for them every week and they brought me on as a director. And I know Bill Snyder is a director on there as well. So very excited about that apostolate. But I recently just finished a book titled Essays on Old Testament Interpretation. And it's just a series of essays about interpreting, helping us understand different parts of the Old Testament. Some of that symbology, that's the symbolism that's in there. Um, the, some of those parallels with some of the ancient Near Eastern stuff that our ancient Israelite friends were living in. And kind of, kind of how we see some of those trends in the Bible and helps us, how it helps us interpretate things. Because I think sometimes as uh, not only Catholics, but as Christians in general, some of us, and I've heard this online several times, that the Old Testament is irrelevant. Well, the Old Testament is still the Word of God. It's still part of sacred scripture. And if we want to fully understand the New Testament, we need to understand the Old Testament. And so that's my goal with that book is just to give a bigger meaning, so, some understanding um, for the Old Testament that'll help us understand the New Testament a lot more. So I'm hoping that that book is going to come out in the next three to four weeks. So that's what I've been up to with writing lately, just writing articles on my website, on Epic Pew, which I know you write on as well, Catholicism Rocks, and also finishing up this book. That's what I've been up to lately with writing. 
Yeah, it's all good stuff. And the Lord continues to provide you with these opportunities too, so that you can yeah. really teach people. I mean, you're teaching students during the day and then you're teaching people all the time with the faith aspects. And the fact that you are also a convert, I think adds so much because you can see kind of both sides. You see mm -hmm. what you were brought up in and what you experienced. And then you made a firm decision. And I think that's yep. a very special thing when you make that firm decision that I really believe in this and I want to live this the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that's coming up new for you here? We're taping this in fall of 2023 and, you know, before we know it, it'll be next year. I, it, any right. things that you want to share with us about new things that are happening? Well, just stuff on my parish. My priest recently asked me to, restart the rcic program and for those that don't know it's the rite of christian initiation for children so it's kind of like rcia for kids they're the kids that want to come into the catholic church um but they're past that point of the second communion age of like seven you know seven eight years old and so i had this class last year i had eight kids ranging from fifth grade to 12th grade couple of them got confirmed and everything. But this year, I have a great group of 15 kids that are choosing to get baptized, that are choosing to receive first reconciliation that are, well, if they're not baptized, not getting baptized, of course, and choosing to receive uh, first communion, and one is going to be confirmed. They're choosing to do this. And, and this is such a beautiful thing to me, because these are kids who are choosing to do it. They're not having their parents behind them pushing them, saying, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. They're choosing to come meet with me for an hour and a half every Sunday to learn about the faith. And they're asking great questions. They're enthusiastic and they want to learn. And for me, that motivates me. Not only do I love teaching, but they're motivating me. I'm learning stuff from them because they're, they're just asking some great questions for their ages. And so I just ask for the listeners to pray for those students because they're going to receive the sacraments with the RCIA people um, on the Easter Vigil. And two of those gentlemen are going to receive baptism and first communion with their mother. It's going to be beautiful. I'm excited about that. I'm excited too. I mean, it got a big smile on my face, just imagining 15 kids. I mean, that that's pretty incredible. So yeah. I congratulate you and, and their, them and their families too, for what is to come. Yeah. So you have a YouTube channel too. We can't end our show without you telling us about some of the videos that you've done. You've done a lot of work, even with me for the foundation that I represent. Um, with some of the videos that we've done on the Philly No Notis YouTube channel. Of course, this video is coming to you on my own personal channel, but um, you, you've done a lot there and you've done some work with smart Catholics and some of the conferences that we've done together and, right. and also for the special ones that we have done together for the Eucharistic Summit, for mm -hmm. the Foundation and the Marian Summit. So tell us more. Yeah, and then later on this year, the God the Father Summit, which I'm really excited about. But because of my teaching schedule, I haven't had a whole lot of time to do some interviews, although I I do have some coming up. So I've been doing a lot of YouTube shorts, you know, um, Bible verses, you know, why people should go to church, why following God is the way to go, things like that. I've been getting a lot of traction on that. Um, a lot of Protestants are actually following the channel and watching some of these other videos that I've done talking about the Eucharist, talking about, you know, Mary as mother of God why the Catholic church is the true church. And they've actually come up with some great questions as well. And all starts with those little short videos that are six, seven, nine, you know, eight seconds long that they're getting into their feed and they're coming up, but I have some great interviews coming up. Um, 
um, working on getting Dr. Scott Hahn. I think we're going to be talking on November 3rd, which is always fun talking with him, especially with the influence that he's had on me. And he seems to always be so, so shocked when people talk about that, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> but um, also, that's kind of what's going on with my YouTube channel. Um, I'm starting to just doing a lot of YouTube shorts lately. I do plan on doing more stuff in the next couple weeks since I have a couple weeks off from school. But I also have knee surgery coming up next month, so I'm prepping for that. But just trying to post something every day, whether it's inspirational, motivational, a scripture verse, just to get people's day started with something good and wholesome that helps them build their faith. Yeah, I'm excited to see some of those. So thanks for the announcement. And thanks for sharing yourself with us on this show, your life, you. faith, and mission. I love to, I'll, as I always say, I love to have you back again because there's always new things that God yeah. is doing in your life that you might want to share. Do you have any final words before we end? My childhood pastor, Pastor Alejo, when I, when I told him I was considering becoming Catholic, he told me Billy, because he calls me Billy. He knew me since I was 13 years old. He's like, Billy, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. He's like, I'm here. I love you. I'm going to support you no matter what. And I thought about that recently at his retirement. And I asked him, Pastor, because I was at his retirement ceremony, did you know those words you told me 10 years ago, or whatever, how many long ago it was, were the words that Mary said to the servants at the wedding feast at Cana? And he's like, yes, I did. So anyone listening out there, Mary told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Think about Jesus. Do whatever Jesus tells you. He's never going to lead you astray. Ever. Do what Jesus tells you. Um, those are just powerful words I try to live by. And they were given by my childhood pastor when I was considering becoming Catholic. So I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> thank you. That wonderful final words. And thank you so much again for joining us on Journeys in Faith. Thanks for having me. And it's always a pleasure. And we will see all of you here next time. We are on the first and third Fridays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on the Anne DeSantis YouTube channel. God bless and see you then. The St. Raymond Onatus Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith was founded in 2015 by the Mercedarian Religious Order with a mission to make pastoral outreach to families in crisis. The friars came together after attending the World Meeting of Families in Philadelphia with hopes of creating a foundation which could help those families and individuals who have faced tough times and need to know that the church cares and is there to help. Since that time when we were founded, the foundation has helped hundreds of families by offering prayer, priestly consultations, podcasts and videos, and programs and events. Whether it is something to do with divorce or separation, trauma, job loss, loss of a loved one, relationship issues, or other crisis, the Foundation has seen lives transformed through the services we provide. Pope Francis has referred to our world as a field hospital, where there are a great deal of individuals and families who feel abandoned and they need the special outreach of those who truly care and wish to show the face of God to others. As a foundation, that is what we do every day, and we're grateful to people like you who help to make a difference for families in crisis. Please pray for us and for our mission. 
Would you consider a one-time or recurring gift? Please go to nanatas.org to donate. Thank you sincerely from all of us at the St. Raymond Nonatas Foundation for freedom, family, and faith.